Hey, what's up? This is John M. Chu, the director of Crazy Rich Asians. And I'm Kevin Kwan, the author of Crazy Rich Asians. And we are here for uh, some discussion about the shooting of uh, Crazy Rich Asians, the movie. Color Force, our producers, Nina Jacobson, Brad Simpson. Yay! <laughs> Love them. They really uh, protected us throughout the whole process in this movie. They did Hunger Games, many great TV shows as well. Ivanhoe, John Panati, uh, and all the gang at Ivanhoe, they've been really uh, great to us as well. They really found, they found the book before anyone else, right? They sure did. It was Nina and Brad that came to me, first of all, and I think about two weeks later, I met John Panati. Wow. Uh, London, 1995. <laughs> you know, that first image is actually a, a matte painting. We couldn't find a building that looked uh, like that. Uh, so we had to create it um, in the laboratory. These two kids were great. We had to find someone who looked like Henry and looked like Gemma. It's funny because we always knew that people would be uh, not know if they're brother and sister or their cousins. So we tried to uh, remind people that they're cousins uh, and their names uh, in the beginning of this. They were great. You could really see them growing up to be, you know. Nick and Astrid. Mm -hmm. And I love this scene because, one, it's the opening scene of the book, which I, as soon as you read this chapter in the book, you're automatically in. I wanted to make this movie the moment I read that chapter. It was uh, not raining that day, actually. So all that rain in the background are giant sprinklers. We shot this in Penang, actually, which is in Malaysia. And there was, this was actually daytime because we had kids, so we didn't have a lot of time with the kids. So we had to block out all the windows. There's a lot of windows in this lobby. Um, and uh, to make it look like night, we had to block them all out and tent it all in. And there's actually skylights uh, that are shining sun in. Uh, so we put black balloons, all like floated them up uh, to block the sun. And of course, the amazing Michelle Yeoh. Did you always picture? It. Did you always picture Michelle and that role from the very beginning? Even when I was writing the book, I was picturing her. So, what was your first conversation with her? First conversation was when I met her on set. Oh wow! Yeah, I'd never met her until I came to Malaysia and you know saw, spy on her doing her scene with Nick. Wow. She's so great because she doesn't even have to move; just her eyes say everything. That elevator behind him that he came out in actually doesn't work at all and was actually a little scary because it kept moving randomly. <laughs> it's a little creepy hotel. Uh, so uh, I'm just glad that he got out of there. Join me for a toast. We'd be delighted. And I always loved uh, this moment uh, in this movie where we got to kick in money, the song and go to the little boy. This always reminded me of my relationship with my, my mom and myself, where she would just kick ass in every in, in every situation, and I would just observe. I can totally see that. <laughs> totally see that. This, uh, this design for this, uh, really, the colors came from your books, actually the cover of your books, the idea of this um, almost elemental colors, pastel-y, uh, feel so in the text messaging in this in this title sequence we really wanted to play that up and the nice really art deco touch yes to all the style of it it's just beautiful sequence 
that's what I loved about uh, going to Singapore for the first time is realizing there is this sort of tropical deco vibe uh, that is really that that is sort of seen around, which is was really cool, and the sort of old Hollywood idea. These titles tried to we sort of emulated old Hollywood movies, classic from like the '60s, '50s, '60s, so that uh, it almost is a throwback, like we. Asian people could have been the leads of all these great classic movies. We just never had that opportunity. Just as elegant, just as talented, just as emotional, just as iconic. Um, so it's cool that we finally get to do that in a big, big Hollywood movie. And the amazing Constance Wu. Did you imagine someone like Constance in this role when you were Totally. Writing? Yeah, totally. I mean, she's just perfect for it you know and there's Henry oh yes his first movie ever and that scene was actually the first uh, that's the first scene we shot in the whole movie her side of it, at least his side we shot a little bit later um, and this is the second day that we shot with him so uh, he's still getting warmed up here which is really fun we purposely tried to shoot this movie at least in the beginning in some sort of order hmm. to warm him up um, to warm them up because they, you know, they're growing in their relationship. They had just met, so uh, we wanted their chemistry to sort of grow over time. And this, it's very difficult to make anything because we shot parts in Malaysia and parts in Singapore. This part was in Malaysia, I believe, in KL, and it's really hard to <laughs> make it look like New York because there's not a lot of New York-style stuff. So this one cafe had a little bit of that vibe the subway tiles, and we put up different art. So that it was It totally fun. looks like a hipster cafe in Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, this could be Fort Greene, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. So. And you in the book, you have it at Tea and Sympathy. Absolutely, West Village. A classic. One of my hangouts. And, um, <laughs> we were going to build a set that looks like that, but it was just too crazy and expensive, so we changed it to Cake and Carry here. <laughs> There's no logo. I don't think you even see the name of it, but in our heads, it was this alternate place. And the amazing Constance Lau. Mm -hmm. I love the way she's styled in this scene. <laughs> and then this whole genius sequence. I just love it, how it all unfolds. Her look and her walk is just so boss. Yeah. Um, we, so we, in the script, it's only two sentences or three sentences at max. But I remember in the book feeling this other, I don't even know how long it gets passed around in the book. But... In my head, it was this whole sequence. And so uh, we really wanted to do, uh, there's your cameo. Yeah. Do you see Kevin for just a half Split second? second. <laughs> <laughs> so to be able to, uh, to show what it feels like to get texts and have a conversation with people all around the world within seconds uh, was really fun to do. There was an image of my newborn baby in that uh, meme right there where she's screaming her head off. My wife was pregnant while we were shooting this movie. And so uh, she was born, my, my little girl was born two weeks after we finished shooting. Uh, so she, there was a lot of influence, a lot of thought of like what we wanted to pass down to our kids and the next generation, which I've never thought about before. So uh, it was cool to have such amazing women leaders like Constance, like Michelle, like Gemma, like Lisa who plays Ama, 
who's been in so many movies throughout the years, such a, a, a trailblazer, to be an, a, a great uh, role model for this next generation of not just women, but little boys too. Absolutely. Also, a favorite from the book, the Bible study scene. How did you? How did that come about? It's funny. The Bible study scene actually began with a poem I I wrote more than twenty years ago, in my sophomore year of college. Well, I wrote a poem called Singapore Bible Study, <laughs> and it was basically about this. You know, it was about being. Actually, it was in the point of view of a little boy, which was me. You know, like hiding under the sofa as my mom and her friends were doing Bible study, <laughs> which was basically an excuse to like gossip, <laughs> and show off their jewelry, and eat. Basically, you know, wow. um, and that poem was so successful. I would I would do it at readings and people would be so intrigued by like this world I create crafted in like literally 10 lines. Wow. Wow. And so it really compelled me to want to write a book 20 years later. <laughs> That's amazing. It literally so many people come up and talk to me about that scene in particular of how they relate to it, which is so crazy. <laughs> I wish. Did you post that that that? Poem? Is it? I really somewhere? should. I should, should do that sometime. Yeah. By the time this comes out, you should have it on your, some one of your socials. I'll do that. Do that. That'd be good. And your room is all ready for you. Of course, all the Singapore aunties are amazing. This is a really cool opportunity to show them off here. Throw in some singlish. And really showcase the amazing talent, you know, from Singapore, their homegrown talent that's, you know, some of them are so successful in their own right, you know, mm -hmm. like Selena there. Yep. And Selena's Tank hilarious, yeah. by the way. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. She's. She does one little look and the whole audience uh, cracks up. Natural comic. Yep. And the amount of different Bible covers that we had to get to make it look like purses that these women it's like their fashion statements the bible so that was really fun and that house uh, was really hard to find and it was raining a lot so it would be downpour and then 20 minutes later we'd be shooting and it looks like bright sun and beautiful day so it was really perfect though it's like yeah. you really brought to life what i wrote oh thank you, you really visualized you know the house the way i, I had seen it so it's really cool and there's the amazing tan keng hua the Meryl Streep of Singapore, as I call her. She's incredible. I love this relationship between the two of them because it's so my mom and her kids, us, that, that back and forth, the attitude back mm -hmm. and forth. We used to have a little extra moment in this scene where mom would harass the... Uh, Harass the the woman working at the store, the shop girl. She wanted a discount. She wanted a discount, <laughs> and it was great. It was hilarious. Uh, and 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 Rachel doesn't think it's gonna be was gonna work. She thinks he's just being rude. But then at the end of the scene, the worker comes back and says she got the discount. So um, it was just too long. Our movie was wait. Our movie was three hours when I came back from Singapore and we, I watched the first cut. So we had to make some pretty deep edits to get it into shape but it only got better the more we honed in on the story special rachel this is really rachel chu's journey an asian american going to asia for the first time it's something that i really relate to and something that i knew that the the movie because there's so much in the book i mean you filled this thing out you you made it 
not very easy. <laughs> I was going to say, I made your life hell probably <laughs> uh, to adapt. Both price-wise and just the amount of detail and stories that you pack into that, that we really had to focus in. And so we made a very strategic decision from the very beginning to make it about Rachel. Even to a point where it's really even not about her ending up with Nick, getting the guy at the end. It's about her own journey of identity, uh, cultural identity, and figuring out who she is. Nick, we can't afford this. These pajamas are fancier than any of my real clothes. My family has business with the airline. The tickets, they're a perk. So the woman who walked them in, uh, the first class sort of uh, greeter, uh, is uh, Jerrica Lai, one of our casting directors, uh, local casting directors there at the time. So she, we threw her in there. Oh, wow. She was great. <laughs> and these are actually the chairs they're in are... Uh, they massage chairs, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a, an enormous amount of massage chair stores at these malls in KL. And so uh, we couldn't, it's really, you can't just, it's really expensive to custom make first class chairs that do all the things that we needed to do. So Nelson Coates, who's our amazing production designer in this movie, you'll see all his great work throughout found this little fix to get these uh, massage chairs. But the reason why they're all sitting up front of those chairs is because massage chairs actually have those panels that go all the way to the side. So every time they leaned back... You couldn't see them. We couldn't do close-ups. <laughs> it was crazy. So she, I was like, you got to move. We put, we put pillows there, just anything to get them forward so I could do a close-up of their face. I love this scene. <laughs> it's such a surprise, you know, like right after... The aircraft scene. One of my favorite parts of the book is is meeting every single character. Mm -hmm. You have such a menagerie of characters. I knew that was going to be a potent uh, sort of punch in our movie that the audience was going to get to witness so many great comedic actors, dramatic actors. We got to go as far as we want. This was one of the first ones. We added that fire, um, the rain, uh, this director here, and and of course to have Fiona play Kitty Pong. And Remy play Alistair, such great actors. I know they don't get a lot of time in this movie, but as we know from your books, both characters grow throughout. And, uh, and so we needed people who could carry that story forward if we were so lucky to be able to do sequels. And Ronnie, this guy, I remember seeing him on The Daily Show uh, where he did this report on Chinatown during the election. And it was so amazing, so uh, awesome and hilarious and confident that uh, we chased him. I don't think he knew we chased him, but we chased him to, to, to become Eddie. And of course, those little kids were hilarious. They didn't understand one word I was saying to them, so I didn't know what was going to happen. But they understood freeze. One kid actually spoke English, so he would help translate all of that. And we have Astrid's entrance. It's funny because that profile view looks very much like the cover of your book. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And yet, the sunglasses, the bun. <laughs> and yet, there's actually several moments. Some people have said, no, Eleanor walking into the mahjong scene at the end is the cover of the book. <laughs> and uh, it's really, it's really cool to see people uh, find those little, little nuggets. 
And this was really important to show that she was not just a fashion icon, but she had the heart, the biggest heart of all of them. To really set up, again, Astrid is such a huge part of your books and as a fan favorite, absolutely was a favorite of mine as well. But we had to stay focused on Rachel's story for this first piece of the puzzle to bring the audience into this world. So credit to Gemma, Gemma Chan, this amazing actor who had to do a lot in a little bit of time. And you see her surgical ability to make you like her, sympathize with her, without rushing it, is pretty amazing acting, actually. And I, I hope we get to do a lot more with her uh, in the next movie. I also just really love what you did visually in this scene. You know, you really, you feel like you're in this in a sanctum and it's so beautifully shot and the angles and how you reflected her in the mirror and all that. It's just truly exquisite. Uh, our cinematographer, Vanya, is, uh, he's, he's an artist. He did an incredible job. Even our gaffer, Julian White, they would almost be in the dark. Like I, there's a lot of lights, but it would be so dark because these cameras can pick up on those things. So it was a really beautiful way to see them paint, mm -hmm. especially from the visuals that you wrote down. Again, you did not make it easy on us. <laughs> we knew we had to have it at a certain uh, level of beauty and, uh, and they killed it. I told them, I said, I want this to be the most beautiful movie I've ever made. And I think that put a lot of pressure on them, so. <laughs> and over and over again, I hear from audiences, people who've seen the movie, that they're just, they're blown away by how beautiful everything is, mm -hmm. you know. And I love this, you know, we wanted to show where mm -hmm. Singapore is because we realized that we knew where Singapore is, but we realized not a lot yeah. of people on, at least uh, that were going to see the movie in America, uh, knew the geography of where this place was and, and how tiny actually it is uh, with such impact all around the world. So uh, that map sequence was added to help uh, do that. That sign behind them with all the butterflies actually had a bunch of advertisements that we couldn't put on. So we replaced it with those butterfly animations to help show to almost reflect the, the butterfly nature of her mm -hmm. stomach at this point of coming to a new place. Sonoya. She is uh, one of my favorites. She was in Ex Machina, and I just, you couldn't take her, your eyes away from her. And so to have her as Arminta, someone that could be elegant one second and relatable the next, uh, next one, it was just so great. Totally down to earth, and yet a goddess mm -hmm. in her own right. Mm -hmm. I love that we just have almost no makeup on her. Mm -hmm. She's just like in her pajamas. Yeah, that's how you meet her in the book. You know, right. Yeah, exactly. She's just in flip-flops and pajamas, looking beautiful, but totally natural. And then she glams up the next mm -hmm. time you see her. And of course, Chris Pang. Yeah. I want that car, by the way. <laughs> it, I think it's Pierre Pung's car really? from, the, from a long time ago. Like literally, we, we wanted a... Uh, yeah, there was a scene in between actually that got cut out, but where they see this giant suburban, it's a really nice car, and they, and then Chris Pang, who plays uh, Colin, says, oh no, that's for the bags, this is our car. And then as someone drives his car up to him, it's just like beat up a uh, little car. And so, uh, but it was too long, so we just went right to the beat up car. But really, they're super rich. They're one of the crazy rich Asian people, so. We shot this at Newton. My favorite childhood hawker center. Great to see it again. 
it was uh, I love that it was outdoors because not, not all hawker centers are outdoors the fact that it was outdoor we could do barbecue the smoke the smell you know Nick speaking several different languages it's just like one of the first places we went to when we visited Singapore for the first time was a place like this and it surprised me because usually you think of the giant buildings, the high-tech nature of this, the cleanliness of the of the city, but actually the heart of it is family, friends, all ethnicities um, together sharing a meal. And I loved that vibe. I was like, oh, this is Singapore. And so we really wanted Rachel to experience that first. And you really see the multicultural nature of Singapore in the food, in the mm -hmm. cuisine. The fact that you've got Malaysian satay and Indian roti chanai and the ice kacang. It's such a hybrid of all these cuisines because mm -hmm. Singapore was this melting pot. You know, it was this port city where all these different cultures came and intersected. Mm. And you see that in the incredible food, like the chili crab they're about to eat. It makes me hungry just watching I it. know. What time's lunch? <laughs> the sequence was like double the length before when we first got it. And I actually, at first they were like, no, l way less food. There's just too much food. And I'm like, the food is the language of this. The sharing of the food is how we communicate. And so we made a compromise. We just cut a little bit, which was probably too long before. I mean, we had like every detail, every food. But it was, I'm glad that we still got to keep it in there and, and make sure our audience gets hungry. And people love it. Mm. People love the food scene, so. And I loved this moment where it's just four young Asian contemporary people hanging out together. The amount of emotional emails I get or messages or people come up to me to talk about just the, the reality that they haven't seen four Asian contemporary characters just hanging out and having a good time, driving in a car together, uh, that talk and speak like them is is an is um, is crazy, and to see how much that affects people, it's been profound, mm -hmm. I think, for a lot of people. I guess that has surprised me the most is I knew what it meant to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there were so many people who felt that, and so when you we take time on here to develop the relationships, but I think it's really important. And we had to fight to keep these moments because just getting used to it, getting used to seeing us on the big screen like this presented as aspirational and beautiful and, and having friends mm -hmm. that look like us and speak, it just, it's really cool. And Singapore has never looked more beautiful in a movie, I think. Mm. I love when she screamed Nick's in Singapore. That was totally random. We were just driving along. You know when you get on one of these uh, trucks and you're driving along, you have a lot of time because you have to go one side, you have to go to the other side, you have to yeah. go back. And so everyone's sort of bored. So we just were like, just have fun, guys. And so she just did that. It was really cool. I love this when Astrid comes home and all her help come around from all, all corners and hide all her stuff. We actually had, this sequence was also like triple the length. Mm -hmm. They had them hiding stuff in all crazy places, but it almost became too jokey. Mm -hmm. So we, we sort of modulated it a bit. We didn't go as far. And I love this image of her looking at herself. It's not easy to shoot that with all those mirrors and reflections everywhere. You know, Gemma is actually 
an amazing violinist. Really? Yeah. So we'll, violinist. we'll have to do that in another movie with wow. him. Wow. And Pierre Pong and his abs. <laughs> Which have gotten so much attention in the press ever since the movie com- <laughs> has come out. It's pretty amazing. It's interesting. There's a lot of articles that talk about the gazing on Asian men in this movie, that it's so hasn't been done a lot to see it, especially in a Hollywood studio movie, that gawking at Asian men is something that we get to do in this, in this and how groundbreaking that is, which sounds crazy too. But in a way, in a way your book described it like that. I didn't, that was a, one of the parts that I loved about the book too, that it, that it um, made these men desirable. And I had not seen that visually before. So the fact that we got to do that together was pretty cool. And I think we even talked about this really early on in one of our first dinners where I said it was was so important to really showcase the Asian male as this attractive, empowered guy, you know, that can be an object of beauty. And Mm -hmm. it's so important for for all the other actors to come after this, you know, to have a scene where, you know, I remember a friend of mine who's an actor, he said, please have at least one shirtless guy <laughs> just so we can actually start dreaming of the possibility of doing movies where we are, you know, desired men. Mm-hmm. And that was very profound to me. And why not shirtless and wet? Yeah. <laughs> and and not cut away. It was very on, uh, on purpose that we, we, we stayed there with him and walked him through. Because traditionally, Hollywood has always turned the camera on the women. It's always mm-hmm. been about, the, you know, the trope mm-hmm. is all about the seductive Asian temptress. Yeah. So, and we had a lot of, head. and we had a lot of discussions about that, even with uh, Astrid in that scene, because mm-hmm. technically she's supposed to, in the script, I think she's written as in, in a much more sort of, uh, she's trying to seduce him, but we toned her down uh, a lot in that um, with discussions with Gemma and stuff, just to uh, keep it all even, which is nice. Raffles, this is the presidential suite at Raffles Hotel, which is a classic in Singapore. I think Michael Jackson stayed in the suite. The Pope has stayed in the suite. So we got to shoot in it, which is pretty cool. You don't get to see a lot of the suite because it goes way beyond this. But And such a historic hotel. I mean, Ernest Hemingway, mm. Somerset Mom, like so many great writers. Anyone that came through Singapore in the 30s and 40s, 20s. They all stayed there. It was, you know, the one watering hole. Mm. And it's the bars where the Singapore Sling was invented. That's right. That's right. If you haven't had a Singapore Sling, go check it out. It's yummy. And I love this song. It's one of my favorite songs. This was actually, I was wanted to translate this song and make it a big part of the theme of this movie. But over time, as it sort of developed, we found other things that were played. But I wanted to keep that element of it, that you're all I need to get by. And then the Go House. The Go House. <laughs> this, so you can see how many fountain heads there are. We added like 10 more to that fountain. <laughs> this was a house that was on sale that wasn't getting sold. We added, well, Nelson added and his team added all those gold structures of uh, statues of, of angels everywhere. Of course, the dogs. They just ran everywhere and created chaos. One of them jumped into the pool. It was uh, it was a lot, actually. This is the incredible Cheng Man. She's so hilarious. Her audition was great. She literally did this character when she walked. We were like, 
who are you and where did you come from? She absolutely steals the scene. <laughs> I mean, just from the outfit to the house, everything is just so perfectly from my book. This is one of those moments where I think you really channeled the book. And um, there's not enough gold, though, actually, we quite want, frankly. We wanted the shark tank. <laughs> we wanted the giant tank with the shark. We actually were planning on it. But the location, we weren't allowed to bring that in. Um, I think we located the sharks as well, and we're going to put it all together. But what can you do? And, of course, to create the Go family with this guy, Ken Jong, playing Aquafina. We haven't even talked about Aquafina yet. Oh, my gosh. Uh, talk about a scene stealer. To have these two together in a scene... Uh, and Constance is really funny. So she is always good at playing the, sh the sh mm -hmm. straight one as they sort of bounce off of each other. Uh, it was a really great team. In fact, the other members of the family were supposed to be, were not supposed to have lines, but they just kept drawing it out because a lot of this is improv, this scene. Uh, Ken came that morning, flew in that morning, and just put on this outfit and became Mr. Go. The hair, what you guys did with his hair is just genius. <laughs> the Elvis thing. You know. <laughs> I think his jacket is classic. Yeah. And then she's feeding Chicken McNuggets to the baby. Uh, to the baby. Make sure you eat it all. Because I'm watching you. So PT, Calvin, who plays PT, he wasn't supposed to have any lines, again. But they just, they thought he was so funny, his looks and the, what he was doing, that we just uh, doubled down. And these twins were hilarious. They also didn't understand anything I said. <laughs> uh, they didn't understand English that well. So it was a lot of hand gestures. That food, though, even to make that food look fresh, we had a whole food team, mm -hmm. food design team that was constantly refreshing and making this stuff look um, not just authentic but but beautiful for the, for the screen. Did they actually eat? <laughs> uh, the well, the actors that have been around know to pace themselves. Yeah. Some of the others, like Grandpa, we, <laughs> I, he also didn't understand English, which I yeah. didn't know. And so nobody told him not to eat all the food. So by midway, he was like, do I still need to eat? But the food was uh, edible. It was real Oh, food. yeah, it was great okay. food. Yeah. I wanted to eat the food. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this room. Oh, my God, that look. <laughs> I mean, every piece of this that um, Nelson put together just made it, uh, tried to get it as over the top as possible in the space. And even and even Mary Voigt, who did all our costumes, you can you can see how much character comes through what they're wearing. Even Rachel's red dress and Picklin's pajamas with dogs on it. That's actually couture. That's an extremely expensive. Stella McCartney. Outfit. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny how people are now gonna. I hear people are gonna dress up as Picklin for for Halloween. <laughs> that'd you be, know, that'd be pretty I mean, awesome. It's the wig, the pajamas. <laughs> it's iconic now. Yeah. And this whole scene while we were shooting it, all the producers, everyone else was in another room. And we had to cut several times because they would laugh so loud because Ken, Aquavita, Chengman, they would just like make people go crazy. It was really funny. I didn't know if we could actually cut together. But after we shot, I was like, there was a lot of chaos there. I hope that it kind of makes sense. And her singlish is absolute perfection. Yeah. You know, the way she just turned it up and 
Will you explain what Singlish is to those who don't know? Singlish is, I don't know if I'm the, I'm the right person to say <laughs> it, but it's the local patois. It's really kind of, Singlish is like, has been this evolving combination of English and there's Hokkien and Mandarin and Cantonese. It's just all mixed up into like a very local Singaporean. It's like a slang. Yeah, it's like a mm -hmm. slang, you know? This closet is a real closet. We did not build it at this amazing palace house. Uh, we did add some of like the frames and stuff. And we knew we wanted to, again, show, remind the audience, like, what is Singapore? So we, rather than just like talk about it, we made this purse <laughs> with the map on it mm -hmm. and show where everyone came from that came to Singapore. We're, there's no room in this closet, so we're inside one of those little slots on the end of it. We're hiding. I'm bending down with my monitor. My neck is like probably still hurts from that time. I'm like cramped into this little space. And originally we wanted later she gets dressed up in this um, driver's outfit when she drives her to the wedding. So I wanted to see the driver's outfit there and have a thing about it. But at that point, we didn't have the outfit yet, so we couldn't do that. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, it's like my one chance. And this is our uh, hot pink wrapped Audi. You can see that sign right there. We added a little um, warning sign of for trespassers. At the next intersection, So this whole area, really, um, where Tyrosol Park is, is set, is actually where the real house that inspired Tyrosol Park is set. It's next to the botanical gardens. And it was an area that I, I really used to go on long walks with my dad mm. through this this whole area, and we would come up to the old Tarsal Park where it really existed. Oh, wow. So it's you know very meaningful for me. And, and people, you know, fans all over the world have have asked like, does this house really exist? And it really does. You know, mm. there is this property there mm. in Singapore. And this area that we actually shot in was like there's stables nearby, so all these and all these monkeys were. Everywhere. So this that gate wasn't there. We had mm -hmm. to bring that gate in. All the manicured stuff was built in. And so these monkeys would come and like surround us and watch us and try to steal the food all the time. So we actually had to be really careful. You know, the one thing I wish I did in this was have the guards actually say something funny to the girls. Um, the, how ridiculous they are and how ridiculous that they're, uh, <laughs> they're acting weird here. And then I love in the book when they actually go into the gate and it starts to unfold how big this place mm -hmm. actually is. Now, this shot, uh, this house that we found is actually a hotel that shut down in like 2012. 10 years ago or something like that, yeah. And so when we went into it, it was not all glamorous. It was uh, run down, the jungle had entered this building there's a bat colony, I think, right? Yes, bats and monkey poo everywhere. And so Nelson, again, with his team, really transformed it. And there was an exterior location, there's an interior location, which is right um, across the street. And of course, this shot I thought was really important to show Nick in a new light, the prince light, in that all-white outfit, as Aquafina says, the... Asian the Asian Bachelor. bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> when we arrived on set, all those lanterns in the back were white. 
And uh, we had Michelle Yo say, you cannot have White Lanterns. That's for a funeral. That's exactly right. And so we had uh, to rush to uh, make them all red instead. This is, this is actually, by the way, the importance of representation in front of the camera and behind the camera and having an open dialogue. Because there are things I did not know, things I'm still learning, actually, um, that we had to correct along the way. And you can't have those conversations if you don't have content about those things. Uh, so we really are excited that this is uh, the beginning of a bigger conversation that we discover and figure out our own rules as we tell our own stories. Because there's so much cultural specificity to this, mm-hmm. you know, because some of these traditions are very much regional. You know, what you know growing up as, as you know, descendants of Taiwanese Americans mm-hmm. is very different. I'm sorry, Taiwanese Chinese is mm-hmm. very different from Singaporean Chinese mm-hmm. and their rules and this, their traditions. And so it's, it's fun to see that mix. Mm-hmm. Even translations of things, like when we would do translations for how to say something in Chinese, the debate would be fierce because <laughs> there'd be so many, five different ways to say it. The yeah. mahjong, the rules of mahjong are like so many different regions have so many different rules. So, uh, you know, it's a conversation that is ongoing and all the time. Yeah, you should have seen this lobby when we first, it was just crazy. But the funny thing is our writer, Adele Lim, who's amazing, she's from Malaysia. She got married in this hotel. Really? If you can believe that, when oh, it was wow. open. Um, and so uh, her picture is there. Like She stayed here. It was nuts. All these little weird things happened throughout this movie. I love this one, Aquafina. There's all sort of improv that Aquafina does. As she adds value to to scenes that she loves to steal. I wasn't expecting this. Thank you. This is a controversial little moment where she almost drinks that because half of the people were like, "Well, it doesn't make her too stupid. She's not that stupid. She's a professor." But then, other half was like, "No, it's fun. Like that's what this should be." And she's fish out of water. So I loved it. I always thought it was it was cute, and and of course the just the tiger, the tiger which is described in the book. And actually, this is a smaller tiger than a, a real tiger would necessarily be. Because the if it was a real size tiger, it would be so big, it wouldn't even be in the screen. So we had to shrink it just a little bit. Uh, it's all fake. Uh, we had to have, build it. But of course, bringing something like that into this, to our set, you have to go through customs and they all thought it was real and it was a whole, it took months. So much of the house was really inspired by a lot of the houses from my childhood. Mm-hmm. So when my cousins especially have seen this movie, it's really it brought it brought them to tears, really, wow. as they remember the different facets. And the tiger is, is one thing we all know as cousins growing up, mm. because one of the family houses had this big stuffed tiger, a real one, you know, that really was shot by my great grandfather, I think. Wow. And it's still around. I'm told oh, really? it's an attic. It's in an attic somewhere in Singapore. So they're like wow. the tiger. <laughs> yeah, we used uh, you sent a lot of pictures of the home to uh, inspire this stuff, which was great. And of course, meeting Eleanor, I always would wanted to find a, a place to uh, introduce her that wasn't just the party. And something growing up in a, in, a, in a restaurant family, I knew the power center was always the kitchen. So to see her, not necessarily getting her hands dirty, but uh, commanding the ship, like a pirate ship, to me was so... Uh, powerful and that and and she has this cape on almost that mm-hmm. just uh, and so elegant um, to meet our um, 
a big obstacle for Rachel in this venue with fire in the background and um, commanding people around everyone um, sort of sort of listening to her and following her lead is uh, it was really important to set up her character and I love that she doesn't really pay attention to Rachel <laughs> she just ignores her just she's more concerned about the food and the presentation <laughs> and as she you know plays a role as, as admiral of the kitchen really and I think the first thing that my mom and a lot of moms say to their kids are you need a haircut or yeah why, why are you, are you so weight? fat <laughs> <laughs> exactly see psych see? Um, so I love that she starts off with that. But then they try to feed you. Like, why are you so fat? But why aren't you eating? Eat all this stuff. So It's a no-win situation. You just, I think. You just roll. Yeah. You just roll with it. <laughs> and I love that they, she can joke around about uh, being, uh, being hard on him a little bit there. I thought that was really important just to lighten up that she isn't – she's self-aware. She's smart. She knows exactly what she's doing. But – she needs to protect her family as much as possible. This was not actually a kitchen. Again, both Vanya, our DP, and, and Nelson did an amazing job of transforming what is just an empty room into a, into a kitchen. Now, this next shot is was very difficult. This is like a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute sequence where we don't cut. It is extremely hot in this room at this point. If you don't know, Singapore, Malaysia are very humid, very hot. Our air conditioners uh, were not working very well at this moment. So everyone is sweating underneath their outfit. And I think you had a roving team of like 30 makeup artists, something like that, something right? Something like that. To keep retouching people so they look effortlessly cool in yes. each shot. Yes, and in this shot in particular where you have every character interacting with each other, having to say their line, our camera team, there's like 20 people behind this camera right now, pushing people out of the way and finding, and everyone has to be, It's a, it was a team effort on this one. Meanwhile, it's hot and people are sweating. It is, it was an intense thing to get through, but I love the feel of this house to know the scope. I love to know that we filled this house with people. I love to uh, see the layers and I love to know that all our characters, as crazy, as broad as some are, and as dramatic as others are, that they exist in one world. And this was really important to do uh, for the tone of our movie, actually. Just the movement choreography, you know, to see the people, even the background, moving in and out. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like air traffic control, you know? <laughs> it's, um, it's so brilliant. And the amount of times that background accidentally looks at the lens mm -hmm. or does look at the lens or tries to get in a frame, you you have to correct these things. So I think that was take nine, which is actually amazing. Usually a one or like that length takes like 16, 20 takes to get right. But uh, it was so hot, everyone was uh, right on target as much as they could be. So what line of work is your father in? Oh, my father died before I was born. I love Amy. She... Uh, <laughs> She plays Amanda's mother, and she's just so, uh, she just has that look. She does that condescending look. Snotty so in the no perfect good, way. So good. Actually, we shot a little cameo of Kevin here. Um, we had you be one of the uncles or cousins saying something. But... Again, the movie was so long that we needed to find our trims and get right into the story. And at this point, we want the drama to 
build. So it felt like we were sort of grandstanding. It didn't feel like the right place. To it would probably have been distracting too to yeah. audiences that knew me. They'd yes. be like, oh, wait, they'd be taken out of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was a smart move to not feature my probably very <laughs> terrible performance. It was great. It was really great, actually. And this room, this is a, I love the look of this room, the gold uh, wallpaper. Um, that shot when she walks in, when Ashford walks in with the with the tiger behind her, it's just and the light. The way I think the that light might be my favorite through. shot in the whole movie. Yeah, it's just uh, beautiful. I forgot to get you a fork. Um, it's okay, you stay. I'll go get it. This the scene moved around a lot in the script phase. Whether we wanted to get into their story because we're balancing so many different stories, where to insert their story was a very difficult thing to know. Where the audience wanted to jump into a new thing, new twists and folds. So this was used to be before. This used to be a scene after the whole party when she arrives home. I think it's written like that in the, in the book. So, so the fact that we could nudge it in the middle of this was. Uh, it was actually a surprise that it could sustain itself, but important to keep their drama moving. Go, go, get changed. I'll keep Rachel company. Thank you, Ollie. And of course, the incredible Nico Santos, who I saw doing stand-up, opening for somebody actually in LA. And uh, I loved him so much. I thought he was the perfect Oliver. Your, your pictures of your family are actually in the background I know. of this. And I just noticed that one photograph for the first time. I was like, <laughs> you never that's seen my dad and my grandmother. It's just Yeah, yeah. right behind uh, Rachel. Well, not in this angle. In the other angle, yeah. you could see the, the frames up on the wall. I think we moved it several times because I didn't know if we would ever see it. So I think we had it in this scene. I think the staircase scene, it's in there mm -hmm. as well, just for a second. And when Nico and Aquafina came together, uh, it was magic. It was it was a tag team like no other. So many of their scenes were pure improv, right? Yeah, like mm -hmm. they're just riffing off each other and just being super brilliant together. Mm -hmm. What was great is that they would be on script, but then they could deviate and get right back in. That's the that's the sign of a pro. And what I love about our cast is like a lot of people are discovering them now, and yet they're not amateur actors they have been around they have done the work they have played many different roles in many different capacities absolutely when you see them in doing interviews they're super pro because they have been here they just haven't had the opportunity to show off on the big screen uh, the way others have and so that's what's really satisfying for me of like yeah these guys are ready for this opportunity and so I'm really excited to see what they all do I'm sure we're going to look back at this movie and say wow I can't believe they were all in one movie at one time it's gonna be like the outsiders. Yeah, that's what you know. Like you see the the DVD box, and you're like, look, there's Tom Cruise, there's Patrick Swayze, there's a, people are gonna do so the young. exact same things <laughs> with with Henry Golding and yeah, Aquafina, and we even talk about Henry yet. Of we found him, our Lisa Kim, our accountant in Malaysia, uh, actually uh, reached out to us. This is like two weeks before we were locking someone in and suggested him. He had never acted in anything before. He was a travel host, uh, but he was living in Singapore. And he had that perfect Nick Young accent, demeanor, effortless charm. There was no other choice. Once you met him, you can't go back. You, you can see in the movie, once you know he exists, there is no other Nick Young in this planet. It's really incredible. A star was born. Right on the screen, you know, right in Absolutely. front of us. So, yeah. 
And he's been taking it in stride. It's pretty cool. And then, of course, up against Michelle Yeoh when you're in a scene with that, that is not an easy task. You get revealed really quickly if you're not up to par. But he was so natural, and she was so giving in the scene, too. This was actually, it was raining outside, so we couldn't shoot outside on the lawn. So we went inside. This was totally unplanned. We had not rehearsed the scene. And as soon as we got, there was a magic in the air that night. I love the scenes. Probably uh, one of my favorite scenes, top five scenes of the movie. Their connection is so important to drive the conflict, to understand Eleanor, to understand why Nick is so tied to his family and to his mother. This is true love here. And when she says, you look perfect, and you see her heartbreak saying that, I think it... Your says, heart breaks with her. Your heart breaks with her. It really does. It's saying goodbye to the one you poured everything into. And you understand why someone would be defensive and, um, and not just flippant about someone new and taking him away. And this entire garden pavilion did not exist three days before that shoot. <laughs> what I understand. Right? It, was just, it, was, it was just a field. It was a field. And what Nelson did and created this incredible set with the Peronican tiles. Mm -hmm. You can see these classic Peronican tiles on the floor that he actually, he readapted the colors to make them more current and cool, mm. you know. But it's just um Yeah, it was all just this grass. It went all the way down. And we actually had uh, exotic birds all around. I remember the parrot. But they, yeah. it was hard to get them in the frame, and it was getting late at night, so we just nixed them. I think we have sounds of them now, but they were going to be in it. And I love also seeing just, again, the cousins with Kitty, Alistair, Eddie. All, every time we see them again, it just brings a little life to it and a little bit of the world uh, to life. So. Oh, speaking of the so this is the entrance of the incredible Lisa Liu. Truly a living legend. I believe her first Hollywood movie was in 1958. Wow. And here we are in 2018. <laughs> and so graceful and kind. This is like four in the morning. And she is down. She's down to do the work. Uh, she is present. Glowing. Glowing. She was ready. It's funny because we were sitting down with her and we said, Lisa, you know, it's so such an honor to be working with you. We should have dinner. Um, we'll come to you wherever you live. Like, where do you live? And she's like, West Hollywood. I was like, <laughs> oh. It's like, I, I, I live two blocks from you, <laughs> which is true. She does. And then next to her, the, the Thai ladies in waiting. Yes. Well, I remember you called me, I think, from Malaysia. You're like, what should they be wearing? Like, what is the right <laughs> uniform for them? These are the, this so, is the world I don't understand yeah. and like how and what. But in the book... They're described as what? They're, they're Thai ladies in waitings yes. given to her as a present from the King of Thailand. So I called up a friend in Thailand who contacted the personal couturier to the Queen of Thailand. Wow. And I believe she ended up making these beautiful, beautiful outfits mm. for them. It's gorgeous. I love that. So nice having Again, this is like five in the morning. <laughs> Everyone's 120 really degrees. Yes. 300% humidity. And everyone looks so beautiful. <laughs> we had real Tanwa flowers in there that actually bloomed. They just bloomed a little earlier than our shoot, like two hours early. So we all actually got to watch some of that. But then uh, we had to Improvise. have special effects add a little, a little, a little shine to 
to them as they opened up. To tell me about the cars and how you wrangled <laughs> this amazing fleet, because I, I get so many emails from my friends. I'm not a car person at all, so I know nothing about them. But yes. So many of my cousins and friends are like, oh, my God, you got the Ferrari <laughs> GTS California Spider whatever. I'm like, what? Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I don't know all the different styles and things. All I know is it was a task to get them there. And we were borrowing from collectors and one just to get cars classic cars is difficult anyway and to get them in just pristine condition and to have people who own these cars don't want to borrow like you borrow them yeah. they Can don't you care imagine? you're going to pay them to use their car they have so much money so we had to uh, go after their hearts and say please help us make this this scene look great and so they just start rolling in at like five in the morning they all lined up I think that blue one in the back is the most expensive one in mm -hmm. the scene I'm I only know very little, so I can't speak to exactly how much it is. But they're all um, they're all private collectors, and only they were allowed to touch the car. So usually we have our crew that we can move cars here and there. Anytime we wanted to move a car, we had to talk to the owner, who was probably like on their cell phone in the other room, hanging out, uh, and uh, and get them to move the car. It was very interesting. Yeah, and a friend of mine recognized their helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> the blue one in the back seat. We had a lot of help like, from Kevin's yeah. friends to uh, make this thing uh, look really, really uh, crazy rich Asian. And here we have the amazing Jing Lucy. So fantastic. She has such like a presence to her. <laughs> That's a, that was a moment. real mistake yeah. that they uh, that Arminta. Uh, gassed that thing a little too heavy and uh, and they spilled their drinks all over themselves. But it totally worked. <laughs> I think she swears we just had to cut it out. <laughs> and of course, uh, headed towards the bachelor party in international waters. People laugh when that comes up because they realize all that it implies. You know, <laughs> yes. like anything goes. What stays in international waters? <laughs> This is actually all on a green screen. They're not actually in the helicopter. I was in the helicopter shooting all those aerials, but this is a green screen. It's pretty amazing to see how they add the other helicopters in the background. It's right there. Let's talk about Jimmy for a second here. He's just Jimmy the best. Jimmy Yang. He's not just a great comedian from not just his stand-up and Silicon Valley show that he's on, but he's a great actor. Like He, he has such range. He has a book. He's a great writer. Like, he's really, really smart. I think grew up in Hong Kong till he was 13, moved here and learned the language, found his way through it all. So that, that missile that goes into the water, it used to explode into a firework. Hmm. And we were almost done with the movie, and we always get laughs when it turned into a firework. But then someone, the idea was always, oh, it should go into the water. Like, it didn't go off, or yeah. it was just an, a missile that they just shoot into the water. And so someone had remembered, I think it was Nina, a producer, was like, wasn't the idea originally that it wasn't going to blow up? And we were like, yeah, but this is kind of funny, and it's been working. And then she's like, I think you should see the other one. So we played the other one, and it was funnier. It's even funnier. So yeah. uh, that's what we used here. This set was insane. We had to, again, um, build this in a parking lot with all these containers. And it was so hot that 
every time you touch the metal of the container, it could burn you. <laughs> so we had to be very careful and uh, have uh, guards and water it down every five minutes. It was it was nuts. But everyone wanted to be in the pool. <laughs> no one wanted to be outside of the pool. We used to have a whole dance number with the uh, beauty queens. It'll be in some of the deleted scenes. I really hope so. I never got <laughs> to see that. So he comes down and he says, we've gotten all these beauty queens from all around the world, only finalists, and they do a whole dance number. Uh, but it was a little, I don't know, it felt not appropriate for our movie um, once we got our movie together. So I think we wisely got rid of it. You know, it's only so far you can take Bernard character when you're trying to make a sophisticated statement through some of your storylines. So uh, we had to dial it back. Dial it back. Because he was just so over the top. He, was, the going, he was going for it. And I love Araminta's gold jumper. or what I don't even know what you call this Jumpsuit. Thing. Jumpsuit. Yeah. It's so... I mean, even on the day, the sun would reflect on it and it would blind you. And she could, and the fact that she's even running like that is pretty amazing because those heels and everything about that outfit is really hard. I think Mary designed it. Yeah. I think she, mm -hmm. you know, she read about it from, you know, this is one of these instances where they really took the costume straight from my book mm -hmm. and readapted it and did it so beautifully. The pineapple dress. Constance loved this pineapple dress. Um, we didn't have a place for it, but we thought this could be a good, good spot. And this day was so overcast. It was raining most of the day. So as soon as it cleared, we shot this. This was all covered with plastic maybe six minutes prior to this shot. And we tried to do it all in a one so that we would not miss this opportunity. We were only here on this uh, in Lankawi, which is where we shot this for uh, a couple days. And we had a lot to shoot. And of course, it was the rain days. Of course. Where you were there. Yeah. <laughs> and then there used to be a scene where Nick um, escaped, Nick and Colin uh, escaped the ship uh, by creating a whole thing about being sick, like the book, uh, which I always loved in the book. It made Nick so likable. But again, time, um, trying to get them, it, it just didn't, it was really fun. And I think it'll be in our deleted scenes as well. But it didn't uh, show their friend. We didn't get to their to the drama fast enough. So this was an opportunity where we just implied they got off that ship by showing the helicopter there and talking about his pilot's license. <laughs> Problem <laughs> uh, solved. Problem solved. Why not? One line. This, is, this movie is called Crazy Rich Asians. They can do anything. Uh, but this location was beautiful. We had to uh, boat out, canoe out to this little platform that we built in the middle of the water. Uh, the sun was going down. It was gorgeous. Although we kept floating everywhere, so we mm -hmm. had to keep like anchoring ourselves back. We had a drone that was shooting sort of aerials that crashed, and we couldn't get the footage back because it was on a cliff. And so they were like, we have to get um, climbers, mountain climbers, to go and get it. And but there was no way to get it. So so the drone was never found, right? I remember it was. I think they actually crashed. eventually did yeah. get it, but it was like. Three weeks later, and the f there was no footage. It was all destroyed, unfortunately. But I, what I love about um, Colin and Nick, uh, Chris Pang and, and Henry Golding, is they do have this camaraderie, this, this really true friendship. And it's not like bro-y in a way. It's like... It's, it's not, deeper. It's not... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's emotional, and it's trying to be more... 
you know, I think it's not just Asian men that we're trying to redefine. It's masculinity in general. Masculinity has been sort of laid out to us of how it should be by movies and media and by other people having perspectives and uh, and telling their stories, you get to shift that. And I think masculinity itself is being changed now. And uh, even with all the Me Too stuff and all, uh, to me that this is a very important time in our history and uh, to show two grown men be able to talk about emotions and love uh, in a movie like this is is, is great. And hopefully we see a lot more. This was also a very hot day, although they were getting massages, so it wasn't as, as bad. And we actually had real masseuse give them massages, so it looked genuine. So that was, I'm sure they had a great time. That's why she looks probably a little sleepy there, because she's really getting a massage. This, these two scenes used to be two separate scenes. And... Um, as we went along, it just felt like it was too long to get to conflict. And so by intercutting, it sort of built this tension that really helped. I'm not working out on anything. I met a girl, I fell in love, and I want to Some of those mountains in the background were added on Colin's side because there was like a beach there that you could kind of see. It didn't look remote enough, so we added a couple islands. It takes guts coming all the way over here, facing Nick's family. Especially when Eleanor isn't exactly in your corner. Okay, your family is... In um, the book, Amanda's much more involved in this craziness. And, and actually, in an earlier versions of our script, she was as well. She's much more machinating. She gets pulled in by her mom and by the mothers to sort of really machinate. Mm. And, you know, here she's a little more subtle, but kind of no less lethal in what mm. she does. We actually wanted to do a whole nother text sequence here. The idea was then to do the dark text sequence, how mm -hmm. Radio One Asia can uh, can turn on you. But again, it was, became too too much right at this moment. We needed, you know, once you know we have Michelle Yeoh as Eleanor and Constance as Rachel, you want that matchup mm -hmm. and you want to build that matchup as much as possible. So anything that deviates from that, weaken that link and that confrontation. So we had to be very careful of where we put our weight. Bringing Astrid to the resort for the bachelor party sequence was also, I think, a brilliant move, mm. you know, on the part of the screenwriters because in my book, Astrid's not at this party, mm -hmm. but just having her there, you know, and seeing her bond with Rachel, I just, I really felt it was a, a great move. I was scared about that because it, it wasn't in the book and it also brings her much closer to uh, this situation. No. So like what, you, then you have to know, like, how does she feel about it? What is her interaction with these girls? Why is she there? If this and that. So there's a lot of things that, questions it can bring up. But I thought Gemma played it perfectly. And there's just enough and not too much to understand there. The, the, fish. the only thing I never understood was why they buried the fish. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just putting it back out to Put sea. It but no, it's a, it's a great moment <laughs> of bonding. They're respecting life, the life form. They're giving it. You know, to the crabs. Um, it's funny because Gemma was digging, and it's hard to dig, and it's also hot. It's like ninety degrees right now, and um, so she she stopped a little shorter than <laughs> Rachel. Do you think Rachel would be pissed? 
that uh, she's doing all the digging now. But. Well, just she just has to sit there and look beautiful in her, you know, navy and white striped top. <laughs> so. This is such an important, again, and that's such an important scene. The scene was almost twice the length, maybe even more than that, explaining how she found the text, how she talked or she didn't tell him, why she ran away, why she's here. But in a weird way, it, that stuff didn't matter. It was about connecting. And then wh wh how would Rachel react to it? There was a lot, of, um, a lot more questions, too, that came up with that. But the silence between two women who understand where they're coming from and the difficulty and not having to say anything. That speaks uh, was, volumes. It was really powerful. I went back and forth a little bit, but every time we showed it, everyone was like, less is more, less is more. Like, we feel it. And and Jem is so good. You can you you. F I mean, this was not an easy day, and she's so present, and you can tell. And any way to connect Rachel and Astrid, as both a cautionary tale that hey, you can want it as much as you can, but is love enough? According to Astrid's sort of journey, maybe it isn't. And Rachel's wide-eyed idea of love uh, it's just a really interesting contrast especially at the wedding when it all converges is that uh raffles as well back at the raffles back at raffles wow this is uh, right outside actually the room the presidential suites right across the hallway there i love the lighting in here I don't know if anyone really notices it, but there's some sort of softness to their skin. They both look so good. And this scene wasn't there originally in one of our in very close to shooting version of our script. And actually in our edits, when we needed to cut things down, this scene got removed at a certain point because I thought we kind of know their feelings. We know they're going to argue. But actually this scene is really, really vital because to see them confront each other a, so you're like, why didn't someone just say something? So they get to confront each other. And two, you get to see how they make up and how, why they're great for each other and why one's the yin to the other's yang. Like, I, I love that they get through something together. They resolve the situation. Yes. They're a good couple that really work together mm -hmm. in terms of their relationship. And you, so it's very believable and it's mm -hmm. very real. And you can also see she's she's so rational. She's not some over emotional creature in any yeah. way. You know, she's seeing it for what it is. It's interesting because we used to have a scene where she got angry at the house when she first arrives. Like you didn't tell me this. Why everyone's talking about how you're the Prince William of Asia, and why why haven't you told me this? Why did you keep this from me? But it wasn't earned yet, so that got removed. But this is definitely earned, and um, and from now on, you root for them. And even if his answer is kind of like, I like who I am when I'm around you, it's in a weird way, someone like him saying that is true. Like, I can't be myself when I'm around. Everyone wants something else from me. That is an essential struggle of his character, mm -hmm. you know, in the books. And also people always ask me, like, how would he not know? How would he not prepare her for all this? And I always say, how would he know? I mean, if your whole life has been like this, how do you adequately prepare someone mm. for the life you're about to show them? Mm -hmm. And this dumpling scene, of course, uh, 
was also uh, a last minute, I mean, not last minute, but it came in late in the script development. It used to be a scene where they came to a restaurant and, and Eleanor passed on the f or was sort of announced that Nick was going to take over the company and Amanda was a part of that. Uh, but it became about the business, about the Young Family Corporation, which I was like, what do they even do? What do they own? Like, we have to be ambiguous about all this stuff. Otherwise, you have to get into it. And then you have to introduce the dad. And if you introduce the dad, then they have to have conversations about that. It just brought up a lot more things to discuss about business, which nobody cared about in this movie. It was, we want to know Eleanor versus Rachel. Like, what is the real meat of this? And the real meat of this family, it's sacrifice. And so this scene allowed us to see the young family as not just a family out to get the outsider. This showed them as a loving family. They have history. They have shared memories. They have a great time. And this is something that Rachel, from a single mother, didn't have. And so for her to see this and witness this and appreciate this, and then Eleanor come in and say, this doesn't just happen, by the way, is powerful. And then a scene later for, for Eleanor to cut her the way she does allowed the rest of the movie to work. And now we could sympathize, empathize with Eleanor, understand why she's so fierce, but also with Rachel and no, no solution. Almost be like, I don't know what we want, and um, I think that's it's a key point to our movie here. It's very pivotal, and it accomplishes so much with just one scene. Mm -hmm. You know, because all these issues come up in my books, but it 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 unfolds over five hundred pages, whereas you you were able to encapsulate so much of it in just one scene. Mm. It's the power of images, you know, like seeing a situation we all have judgments and we all we all like process it uh, very quickly in our real life so to be able to do that to be able to take what you wrote and try to figure out how do we translate that it's just a it's a process i mean we made many mistakes along the way so it was nice to find something that actually accomplished some of those things and makes you hungry and makes us really hungry i used to come home every not every day but maybe four times a week from school and my grandma would be making wontons so we'd, we'd all have to help fold um, that's where we talked about school that's where we talked about life and it was uh so this comes from a lot of memories too of those of those days and i used to help my um my cooks make wontons oh really yeah you know, back when i was a little kid wow because the women surely didn't you know my mom my grandmother they never entered the kitchen huh. but i was allowed you know as a little kid to help so, you know, in a, in a way it comes full circle because like I really remember learning how to fold wontons myself. Mm. And of course, to have an, all generations there, mm -hmm. even Astrid's son, um, it just shows how it all works together. And Lisa's great because she can be soft and warm <laughs> and also evil. I love the moment where she, in, in a moment you'll see that she she sort of uh, goes after Eleanor about her dumplings. Yeah, she just makes one her. brutal dig, yeah. you know, that just tells you the whole relationship over the past 40 years, <laughs> you know, like it's right there in that moment. Isn't it crazy that one line can do that? It's so surgical. It's so something that um, 
something that Michelle really wanted. And I didn't think it would be as strong of an indicator. I thought we might need a few more things and that would take a lot more time, maybe a scene. So I was a little more hesitant. But when you watch that, you immediately, like you said, you know the 40 year, old, 40 year history in one moment. Oh, hi. I think I'm a little lost. And this scene, I always um, was always really, the process of getting here was crazy because we were supposed to shoot in this little hallway where the bathroom actually is, but we had this great sta staircase. We're like, why don't we shoot here? We have your family pictures yeah, right on the- Totally, my uh -huh. grandparents sort of staring back at them. Is that your grandmother? In, no. In, no, that, mm -hmm. I think the, that was the one just... stern looking woman. Yeah, I was no. like- But that's your mother right there, right? That's that's my great aunt actually. Oh wow. My grandmother's on the other side and then next to that is my grandfather. That was one so. of my favorite photos because that circular mirror is just so cool. The whole room was is has a deco. All thing our to deco. It, it was yeah. all our deco and sort of made for the house. Yeah. So when we were shooting on the staircase, we didn't have a lot of time. So, but when you shoot on staircase, you have to have like a giant crane so that you can move quickly. Otherwise, every time you go, every time a step, you have to you have to level it and do all this stuff. But um, I loved the staircase because it felt like it was like the Jungle Book. Like you're going into the giant tree and into the branches and this little mouse would be like going up the stairs, mm -hmm. going left, going right, dead ends. And then the snake slowly slithers up to her. And she's even in that green and she just surrounds her and just seduces her and then puts her in her place. Boom. And when she touches her face, it's so, ugh. And we could only do this a couple times because it would affect Constance so much. Those words would cut so deep in the way Eleanor says it that she would bawl after, like cries and weep. It was very interesting. And so she's like, I can only do it a couple times. And then, because then every time after that, she already had puffy eyes before we started the scene. I think why it affects people so much is one, those words are powerful to every person, all our struggles. Uh, but two, she's really feeling it, and I think you you feel it with her. That's because my mother knew she wasn't the favorite, so she let her... Constance is, is really brilliant because she uh, she just has this... She, she's super present, and, and on days like this where she knows she's going to shoot the scene, for most of the day she's in that mode. So you have to sort of know... You don't go over there to make a jokey joke with her. Uh, she's got to stay in that mode. And, and and when you watch the movie, you absolutely feel that work paying off. You really do. I mean, she brings such an intelligence and an intuition to every mm -hmm. scene, you know, mm -hmm. even here in this moment. Yeah. Like that look just says everything. Mm -hmm. This street was so, I love the color in Singapore. Like. It's so bright. And again, it's those pastels that even in you mm. reflected in your book covers uh, that I really wanted to show off. Now, in an angle like this, you don't get to see those shutters. So the only way to know was like that open where we get to like come down into it. They do that around here. She looked at me like I was nothing. And this again was a lot was improv here. Aquafina does such a great job of knowing where the scene needs to head and then and then curves it in a way. Um, to make it interesting. And she's truthful about it. The funny thing about um, Paik Lin is that she is always speaks the truth. She almost predicts the movie before it actually happens and no one listens to her. Uh, but she's, uh, she's I love the truth that about teller. Her. She's the truth teller, yeah. absolutely. 
And look at her outfit with the bunnies. <laughs> That's ridiculous. We originally wanted her to be in a different outfit and wig every time we saw her, so we almost never recognized her. But it became, but what we did in the test, it clearly became too confusing. And then when she put on this wig, this blonde wig, she became like a 50-year-old auntie. <laughs> and she thought it was so funny, and she became Piglin, and we thought it was hilarious. Uh, so we're like, if that's who she is when she wears that wig, like, let's go with it. Which was also very scary to commit to in the beginning, but we did it. And 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 Constance would always say to me, you've got to do stuff that's scary. If you don't do something that's scary, then what are you making? Like, make the bold choice. Don't make the mediocre choice in any situation. And so that, that I'm not sure, um, eased my fear, but um, on some days would allow me to accept that and move forward. Coming at me and, like, I'm gonna swerve like a chicken. So the buck buck bitch. <laughs> yes. She came up with that, right? I, yeah. I, think. I don't remember exactly who came up with it first, but I, I believe it was in some way when they were riffing. Chickens are bitches. I think it was Constance who said buck buck bitch because they were talking about the chicken. They were going on and on. Yeah. And I'm watching the screen being like, "What are you doing?" Come back to the script, guys. <laughs> Come back. And they just and then they said "buck buck bitch," and they were like laughing, and we were laughing, and we're like, "Okay, let's try to incorporate it." And then, uh, and then, but who would bring it up? Who would say it? Is it in Constance's character? Rachel choose character to say it, or in in, in Pake Lynn? So it was really fun to create that. And again, every actor was so potent that we could create things on set. And that was really freeing as a director to be able to do that. And a lot of people actually don't know that this is in Pakelin's room. Because it's a side of the room that we haven't seen. In my mind, it was always very clear because I was there. But I think a lot of people think it's in like a store and a thing, which I think in the uh, in the book, they go to stores. And in, mm-hmm. in, in our original script, we, they went to different stores and the stores came to them. But this is actually in her room. Oh, okay. All right. I love that Piglin orders a sandwich <laughs> in that accent, <laughs> in that commanding fake British accent. All I wanted was that the light in the back with the palm tree thing, but I couldn't get it back to the States. And I love that we intercut it with the wedding because these were two, again, two separate scenes. Yeah. In the montage makeover, we had more dresses and more things, but it felt like, again, nothing, no conflict being pushed forward. Whereas, like, when once we intercut it with the red carpet of arriving at the wedding, it become much a much more dynamic uh, piece. Totally, these two were building on each other. But that's why you see, you'll see um, Oliver in the background of the red carpet scene because uh, because those were supposed to be separate scenes. And this was all improv, right? Their commentary yes. was like the fashion improv. They didn't even yeah. know what dress she was wearing, and she yeah. would just come out, and they would rip So her. brilliant. I hope we have extended cut of the commentary <laughs> and the DVD. I think half of them we couldn't use because of the language. It wouldn't be PG-13. It's not PG-13. No. <laughs> when you get two comedians no. just commenting on someone's dress, it's uh, it can be a disaster. No. And Ken. They were great. And, and then Ken, Ken comes in. They weren't, they're not even written in the script in this scene. No. I just, we kept them around because we were shooting this in that bedroom. We're like, if we have them, if they're here, let's throw them in at some point. So, and I love seeing Aquafina dressed up, dressed like up <laughs> as the chauffeur. Look at how With the cool boots she is. and the shorts. She's so cool. Yeah. 
the only thing that could have made this better was if we had planted that outfit early as like a crazy outfit that she had. But I missed that one. Sometimes as a director, you you have ideas and you miss it. And watch watch Piglet in the back as they like shove her out of the way. It used to be, <laughs> we had to shoot this so fast we don't have the coverage of what they would have done. But they like jam her and push her and she fights with them. Russell Wong, amazing photographer, actual Singaporean photographer, classic. Amanda, mm. you're in my way. We had a lot of debates over her dress, what she would wear, how she would wear it. I believe that outfit actually has sleeves and we got rid of the sleeve. Each actor had a lot of say in what they wanted to wear because it's such a reflection of their character and, and in your book. Specifically, it's such a part of the whole story. But, this is but we can't necessarily name the labels. We can't necessarily name all the stuff in the movie. People just have to know when they see it. And so it's, it, was, it's, uh, it was fun to play in that world. But it was really impressive to me how involved you were, too, in every <laughs> aspect of the fashion. I mean, that to me was very cool. Thanks. Yeah, we, we knew that... It's a there language. was no, no a visual language. element that you did not sort of <laughs> sign off on, I think. We had a great, great team. Mary, our costume designer, every detail, uh, you know. And of course, there's so many opinions about fashion. Fashion and music, people, and movies, people have endless opinions about because everyone's an expert. So those jobs, I, uh, those are very hard jobs because everyone thinks they know. Yes. And I love Pierre. This is the this is the scene that I think uh, the reason why I hired Pierre. I'd heard about him. I'd seen other scenes he'd been in. It was uh, admired his work, but this scene when he uh, did this in his audition, it was the strength and the complicated um, sort of conflict in his brain that was going on was so uh, I don't know. It was it was both heartbreaking and revolting at the same time and I loved that it's a hard role to really pull off mm -hmm. you know and I think he really did especially in this movie mm -hmm. not being a villain and yet being a villain mm -hmm. and that we wouldn't get all backstory on mm -hmm. where it all comes from even the way he slams that door is perfect mm. and then this just uh Breaks, your, breaks heart. your heart. We actually that's that that shot used to go like three times as long, and you got to watch her break. But it was hard. We again we had to balance the drama of that with coming into a wedding, where our two leads are going to fall in love even further than they ever have before, see themselves as being married for the first time. So we had to keep we had to keep modulating how dark we went yeah. at every turn. And this is a very special place. This says Chimes, which is actually the, the, the chapel of what was originally the Convent of the Holy Infant Jesus, mm. which is a school, um, you know, a very famous Singapore girls' school mm. that all my aunts went to. And so it's funny oh, to see... Your aunts the, yeah, it's funny to see these aunties, you know, here in the scene in, in a very special place that's very meaningful for a lot of Singaporeans. Mm. So it, it all comes full circle. You know, we have all these leaves on the floor. And so her dress would keep getting caught on leaves. <laughs> so I felt really bad because every time she walked down, 
we'd have to refill the leaves. But then the leaves are the thing that are dragging her back and her dress would get caught and it was just a nightmare. But she got through it. You'd never know. We know. <laughs> you could see all the leaves on the ground. This is also uh, an improv moment. Yeah, Selena just, uh, we didn't want it to be so arch. Mm -hmm. And the Bok Bok, we brought the Bok Bok in. We thought it was too hard to say Bok Bok bitch to Eleanor, but we could say Bok Bok and have her walk away. And there we have the one and only Chris Aquino as Princess Anton. Look at that dress. That dress is so amazing. She's great. She came in and was so gracious, so kind. There was, you know, when you put them in this, <laughs> this grass, one of the uh, disadvantages is if you get stuck in the grass. You can't actually get, because it surrounds you, once you're in a position, we lock you in, you can't move. So her and Constance had to talk for like uh, an hour straight because they had no one else to talk to. So luckily they got along. It was all good. But literally you could see everybody. You can't, once you're in the grass, you can't you're move. You're locked in. And then I was scared that was the grass going to look so ridiculous because I love this idea of like being in the meadow and being amongst the grass and how high the grass was was a big debate. Um, we had all the grass on a grid so we could move grass around, but it wasn't easy. We also added that shot with Astrid and Rachel touching because how do we continue to connect them, that they know each other, that they're supporting each other. And that shot uh, did a lot for us in just one, one little thing. And I love that Vanya and his team created this almost outdoor light inside, as if we are literally in a meadow. You feel like you're in a tropical rainforest, you know, mm -hmm. and there's something so magical about it. And then to see them, the two of them bonding, I think, um, for Filipinos around the world, it's, it's it, for them, it's such a triumph to see, mm -hmm. you know, Chris in this role and just representing. Mm -hmm. Shuhei, who just said it's time, he actually auditioned on a YouTube video almost a year prior to that, or maybe a little less than a year prior to this moment. We flew him out. He had an amazing, hilarious video. You should check it out. And then that jacket that Jimmy is wearing, the gold jacket. That jacket is just too much. <laughs> he wasn't originally written in the scene, but we had realized that he had to be in the scene, and... We didn't know what to wear, and so he really wanted to wear this gold outfit to outshine the groom, and we thought that was perfectly in character. And then the amazingly talented Kina Granis, who I've been a fan of for years, and I've wanted to work with for years. This song, she had a version of this song before that is not exactly this version, but similar, and inspired this feel can't help falling in love is actually my parents' song, hmm. um, and so I love this idea of it. And then when I asked her to do a version, and she just made it so elegant and so beautiful, I just thought uh, we had to not just have it in our movie; we had to have her there. She really represents to me this next generation of young creator and artist that started on YouTube and didn't need permission from anyone to create and make. And she continues to do that. We and the song is so integral to the scene, mm -hmm. you know, and having her perform it live. And the ability to have a wedding, a full wedding in a montage form almost, 
and connect our main leads. That was the biggest challenge, that it wasn't about the bride and the groom, but about these two. It was really, it was really a challenge. And then the water. Yeah. And this moment was just one of my favorites of the entire movie and just how you chose to just turn the music and the sound off. Which is very you know. scary, by the way. Even our sound mixers were like, if you go silent, the audience can do anything. It's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. And it's just... <sighs> <laughs> and her point is perfect because she's a ballerina. Yeah. To have Kina come in a cappella, that voice with just the water. And then he says, I love you. I mean, pure they, they, magic. Were, they were brilliant here. That's not easy to do. Yeah, I can't even watch this without <laughs> <laughs> sort of getting choked up. And again, having all those lit up fireflies is not easy because, you know, a battery goes out, a battery goes out here, they start to look janky, but the fact they all worked perfectly yeah. and everyone figured out how to use it is pretty amazing. And the bridesmaids gliding down the water <laughs> like they're swans, you know, it's just... And that dress that uh, Mary created, I think hand-beaded, could go into water. You could put that, you could submerge the whole dress in water and shake it and it would be dry. Should go dri diving in it. Yeah. It'd be fine. <laughs> And Sonoya couldn't actually sit when she was in that dress. It was like impossible. So the whole time she was leaning on a stool all day. So. And of course, we get to shoot at the amazing Gardens by the Bay. This took months and months of negotiating and figuring out how to end up here. But we knew if you were. A Crazy Rich Asians, this is the place to do. You can't just get this place, even if you have money. You have to have more than that. And Jasmine Chen, I'm not sure if we mentioned her earlier at the party. She performed at the Tyrosol Park. I had heard her music, her jazz songs uh, online, and I just loved. So we, we flew her out from Shanghai, and she did a couple songs for us. Several songs, actually. The opening song as well. And so I love that she was able to actually perform live here with a big band. Chris Pang there dancing with Sonoya. He's not a trained dancer in any sort of way, so I'm so proud that he uh, learned it quickly. We had a choreographer there, great dancers around them. As you wish. That band there was great. Look at that shot. Just epic. I think this was on a drone somewhere. We're flying drones around. Like all the time? Yeah. You know, when you're playing basketball, the line. I think this is our last few days of shooting. So it's nice when we get to go out with a bang and everyone's throwing down. I made the band sway like that. <laughs> they really didn't want to. <laughs> but I was like, it's a little dead. Let's have them sway. You can see it in their face. And then Fiona's hair. That deserves a special mention here. I mean, like, it, it probably weighed more than her entire body weight. Oh my God, it's so glamorous. And it's Alistair's in my wedding. So you get to get a little taste of Fiona here. I want it big, big, 
<laughs> Sweetie, you'd be lucky if Alistair's parents give you a tea ceremony. We actually had this great moment that we cut out, but I really loved it that when he introduces her to uh, Bernard after this moment, you see this resolve in her face. And it's actually really touching and kind of heartbreaking that she's a survivor and that she has to do this. She has to figure out how to survive because, I don't know, there was, there was a very interesting performance by her. It was so interesting that it's almost asking a lot of questions that we could not and would not answer in this movie. So we're, we, we didn't use it, but she had such a great acting moment. I wish we could show it off. But. Now, this moment here of this confrontation, it wasn't supposed to happen in this area. It was supposed to happen in another area, but the area looked so small. And just like it's just like a little bush area. <laughs> I was like, we can't do this scene. This is a very important moment. And so I, I called an audible, changed it to this location. Everyone was scrambling. Everyone was freaked out. Can they get it done in time? Um, but not Lisa Lou, not Michelle Yeoh. They showed up, did their did their stuff. So and it's an intense scene. Your mother's husband is very much alive during her marriage. And it's the perfect area for it because there's almost this it's almost sinister in a way mm -hmm. you know she's sort of in the jungle literally proverbially and actually mm. in the book the the pi gets a lot of pages gets a lot all that sort of her hiring mm -hmm. him yeah gets a lot of play in this one it, it felt like in the movie it felt like we couldn't go there too much uh so we our strategy was to plant it with the ante in the beginning, saying that she hired a, P a private investigator and just paying it off here, and hopefully it would work. Uh, and I don't think anyone flinches with it, because it does happen. And we really wanted this new view of Crazy Rich Asians here, like the sort of twisted Alice in Wonderland version of going through the tunnel and now seeing the world that seduced her as disgusting and gross and full of users and abusers. Even people we like. Yeah. It gets complicated with that. It's interesting because at that point, Fiona runs away and she's like upset. Uh, but we cut that out too because again, it asks more questions than, than that we wouldn't answer. Brian Tyler, the composer, really, I think, did such an amazing job with the music. I mean, the music really amplifies the emotions of what she's going through in that moment, I think. Mm -hmm. What and I love about it takes the... us into the next scene. And, and, he's, and he's okay with pulling back with just one note and le leaving a lot of air, like you'll hear here. Usually dead space in a movie is, like, so scary. And yet the patience to be able to sit back just hear the fountain, I thought was so heartbreaking too. Brian Tyler did a great job. I feel like in the moments that we wanted to present things, he, he put it on the biggest stage, on the biggest Hollywood stage possible. It felt like he was presenting us like old movie stars. Like a Busby, the legends. Busby Berkeley. Yeah, like a Busby Berkeley feel, yeah. 
Uh, and then in these other moments, the epic moments, he made it feel like we were in a historical drama. And then in these soft moments, he felt like it was just one person on a violin or on a cello in the room with them. That range is is incredible to have in a movie that most people, you know, you look at it, it's called Crazy Rich Asians. Let's like do this or do that. I have a lot of different ideas. He really honed in on this aspirational feel that I think our audiences are really connecting with. We're not cheapening out. Like it could have been like this little, you know, indie, just a guitar on a thing, mm -hmm. and which, which, which would, you know, work to a certain degree, but to go big orchestra, I think is, it was such a bold idea and move for him. Stop by again tonight. In a weird way, it sort of made it an event. Give me a call. Anytime. Please. You really get a sense of their mutual heartbreak, you know? Mm-hmm. And this moment always gets me. Mom. To have her mom show up and that hug. <laughs> Aquafina was like, I think I'm just going to leave during this scene because I feel weird just standing here. <laughs> so she left. Fangui and the ginseng will give you more energy. I love Kang here. She's just her her delivery is so honest. This is not so nurturing. So nurturing. There's a lot of backs. There's a lot of things happening in the scene. Actually, this scene worried me a lot because you not only had to learn. Well, one mom shows out and shows up out of nowhere, so you have to ease her into the movie now. You have to explain this backstory that we had no idea was false, and now she's explaining who her dad is, who the, her her real father is. And then you have to shift from there to what about Nick? And how are you going to get her back to Nick? That's a lot of stuff happening in a very short scene. And so you cannot do that without a great actor who can, two actors who can make that exchange. And make it so believable, mm -hmm. you know, and really draw you in in a way that's not manipulative in any way. Yeah. You really feel their stories and, and the struggles they're both going through in this very moment. Mm -hmm. And again, food being the entry point, giving her the tea, mm -hmm. as many of us know, is sort of uh, what our mothers would do to start. It's actually a double-boiled chicken soup. Mm. That, you know, I don't know if you grew up drinking that but that was always like the thing you got when you were sick or anything like that and it was the, the yeah. essence of chicken mm -hmm. chicken tea I'm really sorry oh don't be sorry <laughs> yeah in my book it's it, this unfolds over two chapters mm -hmm. you know and it's just so dense you know her telling her entire story and in this scene it's what four minutes <laughs> but you really get wrapped up in the whole you know it, it explains it all and at one point we had the scene, they go out. Like, we we're like, is it too many scenes in the bedroom? And so in the script at one point, we had them on a water taxi. Like she, mm -hmm. her mom takes her out. 
And so we scouted the water taxi. We were going to shoot on the water taxi. But what we found is like there's so many distractions on the water taxi. Like uh, there's people in there. There's a thing. It didn't feel as intimate of just like being in the room. And so we changed that last second. And I'm really glad we did because you didn't, you weren't distracted by anything. You didn't At least the it. audience. Yeah. yeah. Funny thing about those pillows is that when you like touch the pillows the other way, it turns colors. And so Constance became obsessed. So she would do all this artwork on it. And she <laughs> she she took a lot of pictures of herself doing all these different pieces of artwork. I think she has a collection of uh of those designs. We'll have to ask her about it later. And PT, of course, was just randomly there. Yeah, but I love the Not way scripted. how you you know, you had this very, very intense moment and then you lightened it up at the very end, you know, mm -hmm. with this of Calvin. That's I think the the power of of the book actually too is like it, this this message, but with humor on top of it to to let it in. And this scene was very interesting because it changed in editing actually. In the how we shot it, she actually says she can't accept. Uh, the proposal and she breaks up with him and she walks away and it always felt like it always felt anticlimactic in a way because she didn't get angry she didn't get thing and then but if she did get angry it would have been too much and then he doesn't get angry. there's a lot of things you, you wish you don't know what to do so our editor instead cut away before she can answer and then it hangs in the air. So this next Mahjong scene, you don't know. And it really changed everything. It really gave us something to hang on to in the middle of the Mahjong and then have the pivot to talk about everything else, sacrifice uh, right there. And you didn't have to wait around. It really, like, it was amazing to watch Myron, Kirsten, our editor, um, do a, this whole last section almost never changed from the first edit that I ever saw. He knew some of the issues, so he, he, he fixed them in before I even saw a cut of it, and a lot of them stayed. The Mahjong, this whole, we had to bring in a Mahjong choreographer to design the game, how a, how a game can happen that quickly, which is almost impossible to go that quickly, but we knew we wanted the course of a game. And, uh, but it was possible. He designed it. And then another Mahjong guy came in and said he was wrong. So he redesigned it. And then I got confused about which version we were doing. Uh, we taped it on our, on our iPhones. Everybody had versions of it. And then Michelle sat down, who's very good at Mahjong. Constance is, was just learning. Uh, and she helped take control and say, we're going to do it this way. And, uh, and, but we knew that we wanted to have the Mahjong tiles play a role, a character in this scene. as almost a fight scene between these two, even though they weren't moving anywhere. They were just looking at each other. Every and, moment is so symbolic. Mm. You know, I mean, Eleanor is sitting in the east. Mm -hmm. She's sitting in the west. Yep. And how they really have this intense strategic game and how it is this, this giant metaphor for their relationship. and. Mm -hmm for the whole crux of the issue. And even the sounds, the sliding, the shuffling, the grabbing, the, the piling is all, um, we want it to feel like almost a night fight from 
from Crouching Tiger, mm-hmm. that it had an aggressiveness to it in such like a, what looks like a gentle game. My mother taught me too. That she's on the attack and that badass suit that she's wearing. I know Nick told you the truth about my mom, but you didn't like me the second I got here. Why is that? There's some great articles about all the details of this, which I won't get all into, but of this scene in particular, that as we design the game of how, how to reflect what's going on, and also the scene itself, Eleanor, or Michelle at one point was, we had many different versions of the scene of the, the dialogue between the two, and Michelle was like, I would never let this little American girl say these things to me. And so I was like, well, what would you say to her? She's like, I would say this. And so she communicated that to our writers and they wrote it and they did a version like that. And then Constance read it and was like, I would never let her say that to me. <laughs> I was like, well, what would you say? So she was like, I would say this. So our writers wrote that. And and so we had these two versions. And it was like, a constant face-off. Yeah. You know, that kind of, it worked so beautifully. It worked so well. And they, I think they remind each other of uh, people in their lives. And so I think this generational this class this cultural mm-hmm. clash between these two is very real it's very palpable mm-hmm. and from my first conversation with eleanor with michelle when i was asking her to be a part of this movie uh, she said i won't play a villain if that's what you want i need to i'm going to defend our culture our beliefs in the best way and you defend the American side in the best way and we'll let the audience decide what they want. And I and I think that was really strong because again it's understanding that both sides are right and, and the way forward is maybe unknown. But for Rachel to show that she can sacrifice something that Eleanor never thought she could, thinks you're just thinking about yourself. Uh, says it all. And a lot of, you know, people who understand the game or people who can assume what's going on, but some people miss it that Rachel could have won if she took that tile, but she knows that Eleanor needs that tile. And so she gives it up so Eleanor can win. And when she reveals, when Rachel reveals her side later, it dawns on Eleanor that Rachel could have won and didn't and instead sacrificed the chip which is the one thing she thought she couldn't do. So the, the, that's one of my favorite moments, especially this part where Rachel says this. Poor, raised by a single mother, low-class immigrant, nobody. And I love it because, one, my job was really easy. I just sat there and watched these two great performers perform face-to-face. I didn't have to do any fancy camera stuff um, to see a legend like Michelle do what she does was just a privilege. And then that the moment. other legend, to have that look occur. That's like Batman and Joker looking at each other and their kids are in love and being like, this is a timeless rivalry mm-hmm. but you know what the future our kids are are going to figure it out so we better figure our our stuff out i don't want to talk to you about my visitation rights with cassia stop talking what 
and this scene was always really interesting because this, this scene's actually a little longer. And we didn't know where to put it. Like, where do you resolve? Once you resolve Rachel, where do you resolve Astrid? But Gemma's performance is just so solid, especially her last line, that audiences clap and cheer when she says it. They really do. And I think, you know, it's... We had to make that choice of, of which relationship to really focus on more. And, and as much as, you know, I hated losing so many of the Astrid scenes, mm -hmm. it really works. But having this moment, I think, really restores it. And mm -hmm. this comes into play, you know, when we first met, the first time we met, I think it was in L.A. Mm -hmm. at AOC. We sat <laughs> down right. and, and really, even from that moment, just sort of talk story. Mm -hmm. I think we were on the same page of, of what needed to happen. You know, um, and credit to, credit to you to allow us to interpret it in 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 a movie way. That's that's never easy, I'm sure, to see your characters compromise somewhere and compromise another way um, to fit into a movie form. But it's it was a great partnership. I really enjoyed every moment to lean on you when I really need you, and and you offer yourself whenever you need to, and um, but also giving us space. It was just a really great. It's the best you could ever ask for in, in that kind of relationship. And that you actually know my cousin, Vivian, <laughs> from New York. Uh, is it true that she would tell you stories of the chews from the West? Absolutely. I mean, she would for years and years and years. You know, every time she went back for Thanksgiving, she'd come back and tell me what happened, you know, and then she'd talk about you. So I heard about you over the years as you as when you were first beginning out your career. And then, you know, I actually, I went to the Justin Bieber premiere in New York. You were on the red carpet. As her plus you know. one. I think I got her plus, yeah, plus one. I totally. don't really know. And, and I was like, this guy is going places. You know, like I <laughs> never thought I would enjoy a concert movie of, of Justin Bieber as much as I did. And then I became a huge fan because of that movie, you know. But it just, you know, it never occurred to me at that moment that a few years down the line, mm. we'd be doing this together. I mean, it was it was all meant to be. All meant to be. So many like. weird things that happened yeah. in this movie to bring us all together. I mean, this song, this is a, a Mandarin version of Coldplay's Yellow, which they originally said no to, but I had to write a letter to convince them. And, uh, and Catherine Ho, who sings this version, goes to USC, my alma mater. She's mm -hmm. a sophomore there, which is crazy. A lot of articles you could look up about her in this movie. Cheryl Kay, who does um, money in the beginning. And we found on YouTube, right? She was yeah. one of the YouTube contestants that submitted a video. Yeah, it was a, a submission she did a year prior. Uh, and she goes to USC. And it's from Malaysia where we shot. So it's pretty, all the things were coming together. I'm gonna go and look for some extra blankets. <laughs> Hello, quite then, quite then. Sorry, just one second. Nick, what are you doing here? I'm flying back to New York with you. And this scene, we were on a real plane, which is not easy because you have to stuff a lot of equipment and people into a plane in coach. So it's even smaller than first class. And you had to choreograph the different background players to disrupt him while he's doing it. It's a classic romantic comedy type scene but kind of twisted in a way. It's not in the, this glamorous way. It's in like the most non-glamorous way, which I love that for this movie called Crazy Rich Asians, we end up in coach. 
and with people ruining his moment. But you see his true character come out in the way he's still in the midst of this heightened <laughs> moment, like the most important moment of his life. He's still helping people. It's you know? true. And, it's, and she, she, she sees that and she laughs and she reacts, you know, because she, she knows him so well, too. And it's, yeah. just, it's just utter perfection. And that's really who Henry is in a weird way. We were walking on Venice Beach and we couldn't get 15 feet without him helping somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, this is LA. You keep your head down and you walk. Um, but he, he's just a gentleman. So yeah. it was really to see his real personality come through. And then that ring. Michelle's ring. It's actually Michelle's ring. We had a ring, by the way, designed. It wasn't up to Michelle's standard, <laughs> though. She's like, I'm not wearing that ring. She's like, I got one. She actually says she she buys herself a gift after every movie she does. And this is a gift from yeah. some other movie. And really, Susan Wong here is just the unsung hero of that scene, I think. You know, the, the way she with reacts. The, with the spiky hair exactly, in the background. And just her emotions. Like it, it's really a reflection of what we're going through as the audience as we watch this. And she answers for her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. This is going to be some flight back to New York. Well, I was actually thinking about staying one more night. And we're actually at the top of Marina Bay Sands in this. There's a club there that opens up onto the thing. So this is not, we're not faking this. We have a marching band there that used to play the whole thing, but it wasn't as romantic. So we gotta only use a little bit of the, of the, of the marching band. And I love this moment where we get to see all our characters together. Kitty Pong in that green dress in the background. There's PT, brother. And all our synchronized swimmers. We, it is such a task to close down the top of Marina Bay Sands, which is that giant building with the pool on the top. It is not just where all the every tourist wants to go, but you just can't just own that. And this is like four in the morning again. So we had to pull a lot of strings, a lot of get a lot of friends to help make that happen. Probably some of your contacts, Kevin, whether you know that or not. <laughs> And then this shot, we had a drone that was pulling back. So it's part drone and then some of the, some visual effects. Uh, because at that point, when we were dr- flying the drone, lights were turning off. The city was going to sleep. So it wasn't as bright and spectacular as we wanted it to be. But I love that that song ends it um, and that that image ends it. And our little bonus is this title sequence. Uh, so cool. <laughs> I love it because it's like, it's all the fractals and things inside the, uh, into the ring as it reveals mm-hmm. in the end. And I love that this imagery from our movie. The butterflies. Mm-hmm. You and co did a great job of designing this end credit sequence. Whereas Aspect Ratio, another great company, did all our titles, our, our, our opening title stuff our uh, text message sequence. We had such great partners all around. And we needed to make this interesting because we needed to keep keep the people in their seats for one more moment. (laughs) One more moment for our guy to see Astrid one more time. Every time I see the fans, I know. I'm like, okay, it's coming. Everyone stay in your seats. Gabe, our amazing music supervisor, did incredible job finding all the great music in our movie which is a big character in our film and that is charlie Wu. 
played by Harry Shum Jr. on the rooftop of the Marina Bay Sands. He didn't say one word, and yet audiences cheer at this moment. People were going crazy in the screening <laughs> I went into. They not only love Harry Shum Jr., but they love this character in your book. You have created a monster, uh, and I can't wait to dive into more as we move forward in the series. And what's great is this song um, made by Miguel and uh, Mark Ronson is such a great celebratory song. I, I, every time I hear it, my heart flies, especially now. The movie's been out. It has made a lot of money, made a big statement all across the world. But beyond that, the stories that I hear from our audiences who cry or bring their mother or grandmother or grandfather who haven't been to movies in years to experience it with an audience, to cheer, to cry, to laugh. The way it's united so many people, it's mm. just, it's so beyond my wildest dreams what, you know, what this movie has accomplished. And I'm, I'm so touched and so thankful mm-hmm. that you took this project on and, and, and took it to this level. You know, it's some. Um, I was supposed to thank incredible. you. I started this conversation. Just thank you, dude. Your 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 book uh, allowed this to happen. Uh, we've been waiting for something like this to to share with the world. So the fact that you started and you wrote on a little what you've told me is you wrote, wrote on a little post-it note. You wrote the words joy when you first started writing this on a on your iMac, and every day you wrote the book, you looked at that word, and it has brought so much of that into our lives and the world's lives. So I'm very excited that, uh, that one, I got to know you as a friend and now family, uh, but also that we get to do a lot more in the future. Can't wait. It's going to be amazing. We're going to bring that joy forward to two more movies. Knock on wood. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, guys, for listening. This has been Crazy Rich Asians with John M. Chu and Kevin Kwan. Your love gives me such a thrill But you love it, don't pay my bills I need That's what I want That's what I want That's what I want Another day, another dollar Got some money, you can holler Want the commas, not the drama Need a message for my mama Pool full of money, I'ma make a splash Cheese wouldn't be enough cash. All your money faker than some imitation crab meat. Faces on my paper always frowning. I got mad jeans. Oh, money. What I want. A lot of money. What I want. A lot of money. What I want. A lot of money. That's what I want. This what I want.